previously on Something Who. Hello and welcome to the podcast where we take something old, a Doctor Who story from the original series, compare it with something new, one from the new series, and add something borrowed to make Something Who. Yes, it's Something Who podcast. I'm Richard and we're back to discuss a couple of piratical Doctor Who stories. First, we'll take a look at second Doctor story, The Space Pirates, from Season 6. And after that, we'll chew over the 11th Doctor story, The Curse of the Black Spot, from Series 6. And with me to demonstrate that they know their R's from their elbows, (laughs) we have both hosts of the Missing Episodes podcast, Paul. Hmm. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi. And special guest, Tim. Ah! (laughs) And also joining us, we have science and astronomy writer Giles. Is it ham night yet? <laughs> <laughs> and we have graphic designer and Dalek expert Gav. Happy New Year! <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. You mentioned, Gav, you had some technical stuff. Have you, have you plumbed all your stuff, I, or is there other stuff I've, you want to throw in? I've peppered them largely throughout. Yes. But I had two small additional random facts. I think it's the first story that John Nathan Turner worked on. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And it was the last story ever in Lime Grove, episode one, I think. Ooh. Not very interesting, but true. I well. wondered about that, just quickly, because... Surely there's some set crossover between episodes one and episode two. It would make more sense to me if the sacred text said that episode two was the last story filmed in Lime Grove. They were never that logical. (laughs) So they rebuilt the same sets in. They'd already done it in Ealing. Riverside or BBC? Was it in in TV Centre where the rest was filmed? I actually don't know. But there's a complete. There's a complete changing sets towards the end of episode three and then we get cave sets and mm, Sigri's yeah. study and so on henceforth it's Mad- madeline's in episode one isn't she no episode two. No, two. Oh, she starting episode two okay forget that mm. then i was just trying to think whether there were any sets that were uh, erected three times in three different places because there was a load of pre-filmed stuff at ealing then there was all the stuff at Lime Grove, and then there was wherever it moved to. I was just trying to think if there's anything in episodes one and two, and also on film, but probably not because it would only have been the Seagree headquarters. Hmm. So that was a worthless thought, really. Hermax ship, presumably, oh. Hermax bridge, presumably isn't on film at any point. No, no, no there was no reason for that. Hmm. I was just looking at where it ended up Zambia in March 1970. Oh, we didn't talk about that, did we? It only sold in a handful of countries, didn't it? Like yes, that was... Five, four, four, five. Yeah. Hong Kong, Singapore. So I mean, Australia, if they, Zambia. If they'd been maybe one the of sort them. of country that sent Gibraltar. things back, like Australia, Gibraltar. then by the time they sent it back, it would definitely have been safe. I, I mentioned earlier our uh, former podcast Mike. compatriot <laughs> Mike. He said he watched the ah. Space Pirates twice. Yeah, it once was awful. In, once in, in 1969 and once in 1971, once in, in Britain and once in Australia. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Tim, how do we come to have film inserts from episode one only of the Space Pirates? Because it's something like they were looking to release the DVD of Dad's Army. That was it, wasn't it? set, which mm. I have. And was it Rolf Montague? Yeah, he went Again. to find, try and find him. the film for the title sequence. Yeah, he opened a can that said Dad's Army title sequences and it had mysterious model shots in it. And it turned out to be the Space Pirates episode one. Wow. On the other hand, there are people lamenting on the Dad's Army forums that they... <laughs> That all they found was these old models when mm. they could have had nice shiny um, arrows moving across Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have they checked all of the other Dad's Army cans for the remaining <laughs> episodes, film inserts? Presumably. We've got to get on with this. Yeah, sorry about that. I was um, running around making tea and then I got caught up in a series of unlikely adventures with the Dreamweaver and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, a, and a prison in space. Oh, right, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Curse of the Black Spot, written by Stephen Thompson and directed by Jeremy Webb. Two names to conjure with. If well, I was just going to say, were. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, something uh, a story that leans more heavily into the pirate theme than, say, the space pirates. Yes and no. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it has zero piracy in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got a little bit of swash and buckle, I suppose, is about what you turn the sound down, they look (laughs) a bit more like what you'd expect. Yes, sorry, we've interrupted. No, 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 I mean, I'm fine. I mean, go with it. Oh, right. Well, look, at the time, (laughs) I was quietly pleased with, especially, well, the first half, superficially, because it came after some very complicated moffeting. Oh, that's true. Mm. You know, you had Day of the Moon and you had the season five tardisy wildisy stuff and i i loved the idea of a pirate ship and yeah. piratey stuff and the wants cash in on pirates of the caribbean not least with the episode title and i thought that oh gosh this is a good move but ultimately you don't get jack sparrow <laughs> and you don't get jeffrey rush you certainly don't get robert newton <laughs> <laughs> and Earlier I looked up on Pirates.com the list of people least suitable to play King of the Pirates. Right. <laughs> and the only name on the list was Hugh Bonneville. That bloke out of Downton Abbey. <laughs> Make the, sure. The, the, the bloke off costs. 2012. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's just the least piratey wirety bloke since Moses, isn't he? And And the only piratey wirety bloke in the thing was the guy out of Press Gang. <laughs> and he was only he only had about three lines. <laughs> was he the guy who disappeared halfway through? Was he the pirate who disappears? Yeah. He's in he's threatening in the um where is it they're all sheltering? In the magazine or something. Yeah. They're all sheltering in there and he he's a bit he's a bit threatening. Does he disappear? No, he's the not the bloke of any... No, hang on. Yeah. Is he the one with the beard? Well this is Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They all vanish by the end. So he's he's like... threatening the kid, and the kid cuts his hand. Oh, right. Yes. And he played okay. the nice guy in Press yeah. Gang. Okay. Yeah. Do we think that um, Hugh Bonneville is playing it as written? Because that would then shift the blame somewhere else, and we could say, should the King of the Pirates have been written this way? A decent chunk of his story 
seems to be leaning towards the idea that he's a decent chap with a wife and family who's accidentally <laughs> yeah. turned to piracy, which is undermined by his scurrilous friend saying, I've seen him kill a thousand innocent people <laughs> <Yes>. dead. <laughs> which he's never hmm. followed up on. He, he hasn't, though, has he? He's, <laughs> go, he's go given to a cuddle Jeeves and said sorry. And look up Henry Avery or Henry Avery. And and tell me whether he's a nice guy. And surely, if I can do that, then does he look like a a, a malodorous knave? Yeah, but, but I mean, let's let's think about it. I mean, essentially, anyone who's in the Royal Navy at that point is going to be a you know probably a pretty scurrilous character anyway, because <laughs> you, you know they're, they're they're all at various degrees of piracy. It just depends whether it's state sponsored or not. <laughs> so, True, so, yeah. so, so to, to suggest that, that there's a real change of, I mean, you know, You've yes, there that. is. Go on. You thrown it in there as a gag, but that would have been a much more interesting story if they'd actually written something that explored the. Well, I mean, even the later theory. parts of the Caribbean yeah. films went down that route, didn't they? Tom Tom Holland. Yes. Not Tom yeah. Holland. Tom Hollander. My mistake. Mm. Have you seen Taboo? <laughs> Taboo is brilliant. I highly recommend it. And that is all about legalized piracy. Mm. But anyway, mm. yes, carry on. Yeah. So, so, so I guess in that sense, this, the, you know, this, this story of the of the deeply honourable guy who works for the Royal Navy suddenly turning into the sort of terrible, nasty piratey. It's a bit like like uh, in Blackadder when Melcher is talking about British and German spies, isn't it? You know, and one of the jolly decent chaps on our side, <laughs> and the other terribly evil, you know, sp- spineless, cowardly chaps. You know, fighting a yeah. filthy Hun war. Yeah. Thing is. It's another one of those, isn't it? It's another one of those ones that, as I said, I'm not going to repeat what I said when we did the cowboy one, the Western, because, but it's one of those ones that we didn't really get in the old series, but in the new series we do all the time. They choose a genre. They, We're going to do this this week. We're going to have a big <laughs> slutty pirate episode or a, or a gunsl- <laughs> Western gunslings episode, or we're going to do Robin Hood, and they can never, and they can never yeah. decide how they're going to do it. Are they going to yeah, no. do it full-bloodedly? Well, the answer to that is no. Are they going to subvert it? Are they going to turn inside out and and are they going to take it, do it realistically? I mean, Robin Hood. I'm, I'm rewatching. It. I mean, these are generally the episodes that I found least satisfactory. But that's just a personal preference. The Robin Hood one turned out to be the best one because he did actually yeah. play with the fact that these mm. <laughs> the Doctor thinking this is so much like the the myth that it can't be real. Yeah. But um, most of the time, they just pay lip service to some of the trappings, the superficial trappings mm. and tropes. But they seem much more interested in trying to pick a list of trappings and explain them all away. What could be a science fiction explanation for this? And they're so excited about that that we get about five minutes, generally, of the good stuff, the headline stuff. And then it's all just explanations, explanations. So I think it's it's science fiction, and I don't like my doctor to be science fiction. It's an adventure series for boys and girls of all ages. So that's why these these ones get on my knob in one of our number made a, a an amazing observation in an off-air moment about the backwards construction of eve of the daleks tim pointed out that it suggested that the format of that episode worked backwards from this episode is going to culminate with a fireworks display <laughs> how do we get there yeah and and i think that um curse the black spot suffers horribly from the same tail wagging the dog i mean this is how can we have a sea siren, but that turns out science fictiony, mm. and that and and it becomes more kind of mangled 
as it goes to, to sort of bash this idea into this hole that it's come out of. And so that you can see the brainstorming session of, which is, it's an alien ship. So the, the ship's full of aliens, but it's got this medical hologram. Hmm. And the medical hologram's going to look like a siren that haunts the pirates. <laughs> and somebody says, well, she's going to look like an alien. And they're like, oh, fuck. So uh, we'll say that she's got protein circuitry so she can look like human. Fine. Exactly. We'll go with that. And, um, and then it's like, well, don't sirens sing? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Siren, singing, singing could be an anesthetic. She's a doctor singing an anesthetic. We'll go with that. What's she doing? She's delivering an anaesthetic. Of course she is. Of course she is. They're so in love with all these explanations that they all, that's what it becomes all about. And they all become moments where the doctor can slap the side of his head and go, of course! The other thing it reminded me of was Murder on the Orange Express, another one where... Absolutely, As we said, it was better than I remembered when we rewatched it, but... It was very little murder mystery and far more in love with it, far quicker than it needed to. It switched yes. to explaining been most yeah. wrapped up in its own cleverness. Isn't it basically the same story? I mean, to be honest, well, I've ten minutes from the end, it flips to a generic spaceship explanation. But yeah. are they always do? That's always, yeah. every time, there's something juicy. <laughs> they, pull yeah. the cur- they pull the curtain away. And rather than being the Wizard of Oz behind, you know, the man behind the curtain, it's a spaceship or it's mm. a 3D, it's a virtual reality yeah. I mean, it's, also, it's a rehash the... it's a rehash of the empty child as well it's, That's a, a, it's a rehash thing. of I have to say I know I've, I've not seen this since transmission I can't remember whether I, sorry, I can't remember whether I, I saw it quite so obviously this time but I happened to watch it on iPlayer and they they described the, the the capsule summary is there's terror on the high seas as the doctor is stranded on a pirate ship where he must face an apparently deadly siren and at that point, I immediately, <laughs> at that point, I immediately thought, okay, it's, it's Moffat Boyle. Apparently, deadly siren. I, I Love it. I immediately remembered or or summarised. Okay, it's Moffat Boyle plate plots. No, number yeah. one, two, seven. Technology gone wrong. So, yeah, yeah Gav's Gav's right. There, was, there yeah. would have been a big a big meeting where they all walk talk through the details. But fundamentally, where it went wrong was right at the beginning when Steve Thompson, if that be his name, mm. was have, having a chat in his own head about, oh, what would, what's Doctor Who like? Well, it's, um, I've seen, what would, what's Stephen Moffat like? I yeah. know, I'd, he'd like that plot that he does every single time. Yes, and it's good in the final and, if, as well, and the closer I stick to it, the way he did it the very first time he did it, which mm. was the best, the more he'll like it. Yeah. And no, no doubt it worked. No doubt Moffat said, Stephen Thompson, you're a genius. This yeah. is the best fusion of science fiction Doctor Who I've ever seen. <laughs> technology gone wrong. <laughs> Medical technology yeah. gone wrong. Perfect. G- given the, the presence Where of Hugh Bonneville in, in, in this one, I can't help thinking that, you know, from the, the 2012 or the W1A, it's, it's the perfect curve agency is the one who's done the planning for this it it feels it's come straight out of their brainstorming session the other thing that i i I spotted rewatching it was um it's all of that plus stones of blood oh yes oh yeah possibly um moffat has been subconsciously ripping off stones of blood a few times more than but what with the whole setup of the the ship in hyperspace in the same location yeah, but not only that, but also with a dead. Or Nightmare of Eden, uh, Nightmare of Eden. I yeah, rewatched yeah. recently. Yeah. I thought that was strangely. But it's also got convergent. dead crew slash passengers on board, and a oh, yeah. and a automated slash by well, the Megara instead of the siren thing. 
Mm-hmm. Very good. But yeah. And it, here's a way that in which Thompson outdoes Moffat, which is that Rory dies twice. <laughs> uh, is this still? Where are we? Because we we're watching these all out of order because they're yeah. excellent randomizer. Is this one of the stories that contributes to the to the they keep killing Rory thing, or have we already had the they keep killing Rory thing? But they no, then they carry is, on. They keep keep killing Rory. This is where they start. This is where this is where it's been recognised, and they start <laughs> mucking around with that. I think. Right. Yes. He died the first yes. time for real in <laughs> Amy's choice. Amy's choice, exactly. Or for real in inverted commas. Yes. And then, and then it act- actually died in the, the Silurian in the thing. Silurian thing. Yeah. And, and it's supposed to have all been fixed. Swallowed in, by the crack, comes back. In the Pandora yeah. story. Yeah. And then I don't but think then... they kill him off in Christmas Carol or, or Day of the Moon. How dare they? There's, but then there's, they came in, they in this, they came in the Doctor's wife. Yeah. Um, where else did they kill him? So they kill him in... Did they kill him in... <laughs> They kill him in Day of the Moon, which precedes this yes, directly. Yes, they do. Oh, they, they do kill him in Day of the Moon, yeah. Yes. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Do they? No, do they? No, they, sorry, they, they, they? They're, they're, he, he, well, they don't actually kill him, but there's a suggestion that they might have done him. He ends up in a body bag. It, yes. Yes. But they also and kill the doctor in Everyone, in everyone yeah, ends up stories, in a body bag. That's right. That. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they, they foe kill Rory in this, although he's saved. Yeah. And then Twice. you said they killed him in the, the, the Doctor's Wife? Yes. Yes, he falls down a big hole or something. They, they so he's killed death? in three consecutive thought, stories. Yeah, I thought they aged him to death. Yes, that's right, yeah. And he's killed in Amy's Choice. Yes. Yeah, but the Amy's Choice one is forg- forgivable because it's the illusion world. Yes. Now, speaking of forgivable or indeed unforgivable illusions, this story picked at random, watched out of order, trying to enjoy it as a standalone thing. And Madame Covarian's <laughs> face appearing at the window was a yes. sudden jolt. And I realised I don't... I mustn't have watched Curse of the Black Spot since the rest of that season. Mm. I must have watched it twice that week and then never again because... Oh, welcome to something who? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've still watched it once since broadcast, so I'm not quite in your club. But... Um, I don't think I've ever watched this suddenly thinking, oh, that's not really Amy. None of this is real to her. Oh, yeah. oh my she, God. She, <laughs> I've forgotten uh, that. <laughs> yeah, because that was the sudden thing that I thought, oh, that's she. Uh, the real Amy is in her prison cell with Madame Covarian looking in the window at her or whatever. i muddy on the details. But that Amy is a is a ganger. A ganger, that's what they were called. Mm. Yeah. You said, we, you said we haven't met the gangers yet. No, but she's not real, is she? No. None of this is real to Amy. She's this is a flesh avatar of some kind, and she's going to. I'm, I'm really sorry, this is ABC. We haven't met the gangers yet. Are they not in season five? No, they're, no, they're in season six. They're, they're the next story, aren't they? Or the no, story Do- after Doctor's wife one. story after then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But but she is. We have met the clangers. She's imprisoned. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. The clangers. We met them. Uh, in yeah. the sea devils, yeah, interesting little creatures. Um, I don't yeah, know. I found that really jarring, and then, well, but I then embarked on a discussion with my girlfriend about the relative merits of these things because she said, "Oh, well, it's interesting because it, it hints at a wider story." And I said, "Well, that's all very well, but we're not going to watch a wider story. We're just sat here or watching a pirate episode." Hmm. But I suppose this is always going to be the problem of of threading some kind of arc story 
throughout the season to keep people interested on broadcast. That's diminishing returns if you're rewatching in a in a random sequence for whatever reason. But when a story, when a series isn't catered to an arc, it's I don't know. It sort of falls between two stools, especially that weird ending where they kept having to show us clips of Impossible Astronaut to remind us of what yeah. had been going on recently. Well, isn't isn't this the um, one they pulled forward and they they moved yes, Night is. Terrors back? Yes. So presumably the two bits of the two bits of Sledgehammer arc plotting are pickups or something or something yes. like that. The whole the whole Kavarian. Because that wouldn't have made any sense in if this had been in second half of series six, and obviously the pregnancy thing would have been Schrodinger's pregnancy wouldn't have been an issue. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean the other thing, of course, is it takes away from Amy's story, you know, because the whole thing about this is that Amy becomes a pirate and it's a big thing, uh, and then but if that isn't really Amy, then oh, you know, it makes it less of a story. You've got a a ganger or an android or something that's that's running around doing that. Why is the showing any pregnancy reading? I suppose the TARDIS is flicking between negative and positive pregnancy on the scanner, but does that make any sense if she's not really there at all? That's timey. It's just a... I think it's supposed to be a nod to the, to the idea that she's there and not there. Isn't she meant to be experiencing somehow? They've got her, they've got her in this coma or whatever while yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, she's, she's plugged in. And and she's meant to be plugged all, in and but... experiencing this, what, what her yeah. ganger is going through because this is a I believe isn't that the idea of what the gangers are originally meant to operate as Can't kind remember. of flesh avatar god knows I haven't watched that one since transmission um, <laughs> but they're meant to act as kind of flesh avatars as it were aren't they or, mm. so I think she's meant to be experiencing it all so maybe that's the idea that that's where you get a, both a positive and a negative reading you've just ruined my only enjoyment in the uh... <laughs> <laughs> in the episode. Oh, sorry. Because I, I, I found not you personally, Giles, but I, I, I found Matt Smith to be a little bit low energy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Every time and we watch one of these, I rem- he, he's the one thing I think. God, I remember wasn't yeah. he so good? Couldn't he lift mm. everything? But the writing isn't there, and so there's even he struggles. He tried his, he, you know, he tried to jolly it up a bit when he was walking the plank. But what I did enjoy, and I actually laughed out loud, was Amy thinking that she's out swordsman shipping all of these yeah. pirates yeah. and you know dancing around in the hat and the the long coat and i i thought that was genuinely funny mm. yes and they're all avoiding getting a paper cut of course but but yes. she thinks she's the the bee's knees and i at that moment i thought i miss amelia pond mm. and I, I really enjoyed her performance in it and that was the one the one joy in the episode for me it's like one of those curves, isn't it? That, that you know, it starts off good, and it just the further you go into the story, the worse it gets. It's it's it's, it's a shame, really, that 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 they just can't sustain that that initial part. I agree. The, it starts off with a good premise. I had the initial excitement of Pirates of the Caribbean, but it takes itself out at the knees straight away because the whole thing is inert, literally and metaphorically. The the yeah. ship is becalmed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So you're not yeah. going to see yeah. any dynamic. What, how do you know it's a pirate crashing? ship if you don't see it in context in yeah. clashing with some with non-piratical mm. ships? It's yeah. yeah. Mm. And the, the pirates can't do any pirating because they can't get a pirate, uh, a paper cut. They didn't even mention mm. yeah. They didn't mention treasure till about halfway through. It does eventually <laughs> become a, a plot point, but only because Tim. It's for the convenience. Gav. 
is Avery Avery's gold relevant? <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, Avery was a real pirate. He is the king of the pirates. He's the most successful pirate ever. Henry Avery. Look him up. Well, look up Henry Avery. He just disappears from the historical record at some point. He just disappears. But in Doctor Who canon, he also buries his treasure underneath three graves in Cornwall, which which mm. William Hartnell, the first Doctor, Ben and Polly find. So this is a prequel to The Smugglers? Is that what well, you're saying? you'd have to imagine that wherever the ship Where's is... Where's young George A. Cooper? That's what we wherever the fancy <laughs> is stranded, that somehow somebody else went out to this ship, in presumably in the Caribbean, and found the treasure, and then went and buried it under three graves in Cornwall. But in The Smugglers, I think I'm right in saying that they're all the crew members of the fancy, heavily implied or inferred. I don't know. I, I can't remember precisely. But I'm sure they're talking about the late Captain Avery. And so there's a bit of a crossover, but there isn't. Hmm. I, th- I I don't think that either Moffat or the author, what's he called, sorry? Thompson. <laughs> had a clue that Avery... <laughs> <laughs> was already just, just stop there. <laughs> I'll stop there. I don't think they realised that he was already involved in the Doctor Who timeline because the smugglers deals with Avery having been killed in some sort of battle and the history books don't record what happened to him. There's in space. And, and, and so the smugglers has his treasure buried beneath these three graves in Cornwall. But Curse of the Black Spot has it left adrift in the sea and Avery sailing off into space. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. And I guess that the reflection thing is stuck in there too as a a reason to have some sort of relationship to you have to give up the treasure. It seems exceptionally weak. It is very weak and the only reason... <laughs> the fact that I'm desperately hoping there'll be any relevance to treasure is why I pounce upon that. Oh God! At least, thank God the two stories have converged. But so yeah, it's it's weak source. But uh, for a for a starving man at that point in the plot, I'm just saying. Oh good. Well, I don't know. Avery so, could have had one of his successful pirate yes. raids, gone back to Cornwall, yeah. buried it there. For some reason, yeah. that treasure is cursed, and then yeah. gone off again. And had his great treasure. What is the what is the big diamond or crown that he refers to in the episode? It's to do with an Indian. Indian. Yeah, so he famously yeah. he famously took down some Muslim treasure ships. Mm. Yeah, and I would suggest that that would be probably the same cursed treasure. Yeah, because Makes of uh, because of the you know the fear of the Orient that is in the smugglers. Uh, or Orient, Orient, Oriental mysticism, if I can call it that, without being politically incorrect. No, you but, you can't. know, of the time. Cancelled. It's a good joke, though, isn't it? When he says, this is the treasure of such and such, and the doctor says, well, I didn't think it was yours. Uh, yeah. It's neat. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, a yeah nice, that's, that's a nice... That's the doctor's best line. Yeah, mm. that, 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 yeah. yeah that's nice. But it, it just ignores the fact that this has been dealt with before. Mm. Do, we, do we think it as... It's fundamentally misconceived because I can think of ways you could you could fix this if you decided this is the story you're going to tell. We probably all think this is not the story you should have told if you're going to do Doctor Who and the Pirates. And of course, having just said Doctor and the Pirates, I remember the amazing early Big Finish story. Mm. Oh yes, 
Has anyone actually heard that one? Yes. Yes. Oh, for goodness sake, Gav. I know you don't like musicals. Okay, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, move swiftly on from that. It's really it, rather good. It, it is amazing. But um, it has all the joy de vie that this lacks, perhaps. Mm. But, I mean, even yeah. there are so many ways in which you just need to see a bit more... Even if you're stuck on this ship, even if that it's been decided you can't afford, we can't have any battles with other ships, we can't see them in context, but you could still start slightly earlier. You could, yes. for example, you don't even see the black spot. It's, this black spot is in the title of the story, but you see that pops up after we've seen somebody get cut, so we already know it's a reaction. If we saw the black spot first yes. mm. and it's just spend a few few minutes with the pirates themselves working out, or maybe don't don't have them work it out, the doctor spots that because then that's something more for him to. Yeah, it's a bit weird it because like it spins its wheels for the whole of the first act yeah. because they already everyone knows what the setup is. Yes, and it makes the Doctor and, Amy, and everyone look a bit stupid. And Amy look a yes. bit culpable. Mm. Gaily going around slashing people with their sword. It means we can't enjoy those moments as mm. much as we would do if. Well, one of the things that struck me was that the the mystery element in that um, as long as you hadn't read the synopsis that the siren <laughs> might turn out not to be as evil as she seemed. That is the real driving force of the story. And if you've had that sprung on you already, it's a really tedious march towards that revelation. Mm. I found it, is. it. And that brings me to my biggest criticism of the story that's as written. There are two big problems. One of them appears to have been caused by the editor, who um, cut the scene out, which is why we get a disappearing pirate. Oh, it's yeah. not a massive problem, but once you spot it, I, mean, I didn't spot it mm. the first time I watched this, or 10 years ago, but. Uh, this time, I, just, it, it I was, was really, was really annoyed thumb, that that got it? left in. Uh, yeah. That's unforgivable. But at the very end, having all the way through, the Doctor has shown no signs that he has any reason to believe that this siren isn't evil and isn't killing people. Mm. And then out yeah. of nowhere, when <laughs> he suddenly says, hang on a minute. No, he doesn't say hang on a minute. He suddenly starts behaving as if... They might He's still be alive. And he says, yeah. they might still be alive. Let's behave differently. So on a sixpence, he turns from... His, all his attention mm. has been to keeping everyone out of harm's way. Yeah. As if the siren is, is the biggest threat they face. And it's not just not a threat. It's our salvation as well. Yeah. There's nothing that causes him to change his mind. And that's weird. Yeah. And it's in that really weirdly cut scene where Rory's drowning, but we don't see him. He's just gone off the side of the boat and you don't see him. I just mm. see it as a production problem, so. but um, mm. yeah, my. Mm. I I thought there was an opportunity there to, to to work that a bit better. I thought all the raw material was there when Rory went in the water and he was drowning. It felt like there was an opportunity for the Doctor to brainstorm an idea as a force majeure at that exact moment and think, okay, Rory is basically dead anyway. What are our options? And from that more clearly say what if she's not killing them yeah he's already dead if she, if she's not killing them this might save him and and that's sort of in there but it's really kind of muddied and how about if amy thinks that the the, the sheer panic of losing rory makes her think outside the box in a way that the doctor mm. can't should do but mm. can't mm. on this occasion i wouldn't mind that well we saw that in amy's choice didn't we yes Yes. Mm. If you want to pick up on that. Yeah, it would be the same. He then leaps from this potential kind of desperate last-minute thing to save Rory. You could maybe send the siren after Rory, 
if he's already dead, you've, you've got, got you've literally got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. But instead, he jumps way ahead and says, "Right, we're all going to prick ourselves mm. in we're case I'm die, right. So case- Rory might be dead. <laughs> Let's I'm all wrong. maybe be dead and see if that's any better." Well, I mean. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. If if he's not sure and he wants to test this plot, if he has a hypothesis yeah. that perhaps they're not dying, they've been transported somewhere else, then he should prick his own finger. Yeah, where does he do it? Then he can, see if he's, he can see if he's right or not. And if he's right, he can get a message back to them. But if he's wrong, then they're still alive. And it, the whole thing's nonsense. But it also... If that's I'm wrong, I'm, I'm taking you all with me. <laughs> Goodbye. Classic, classic Doctor Who. Yes. Never cowardly, never cruel. <laughs> this is why it reminded me so much of Murder on the Orient Express, because although... We spent about an hour discussing what the hell that meant mm. <laughs> not that many yeah. weeks ago. Isn't that basically the same well plot? We, people are being murdered one by one, and it's only when the yeah. doctor's really up against it, mm. there's nothing to lose, it's, it's on the spot, there's a countdown, same that he, he thinks maybe I Jamie. could spin this on its head. Isn't it the same? What, <laughs> remind me, what is the, the plot of murder on Earth? Is it a soldier? Yes. The, yes. the, the, the mummy? Yeah. yeah. And what's it doing? What, what's it, who's it after? Isn't it after people who are ill? Or dying. Yes. Yeah. Just like this is after this this sirens after people who are. It picks off the weak first, so it goes after people with diseases. Yes. Right. But it still oh, thinks it's in active service, and eventually he just says to it, "It's okay, you're discharged from your duty," or something like that. Mm. And so he's then able to stop doing whatever so he's that's, doing. That's a pretty big similarity. That it, that this and mummy mm. are the same in that the 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 alien is picking off people one by one for a reason that the doctor has to work out mm. except <laughs> it's bodged here because they know right from the beginning so there's no progression for 40 minutes mm. so it's, it's part mummy on the orange express and part empty child where the nanovirus isn't actually picking people off in a particular order just mm. Mm. the additional learning that they they took up in um Murder on the Orient Express, or what, what's it called? Mummy on the Mummy Orient on Express, the Express, is that they managed to, for more than three seconds, stick to some sort of tropey Orient Express <laughs> characters. Mm. Yep. So they, they developed the idea there. Maybe if they do it a third time, they'll get it right and not, not end it in some bland spaceship mm. they sci-fi scenario. They could have had their cake and eaten it here. They could have had a serious, proper three-dimensional portrait of the tortured Henry Avery, whatever his name is, played by the distinguished actor, him from Downton Abbey, but giving him some funny, <laughs> some funny pirate backups. You know, Mackenzie Crook and, and load of, you know, a good mm. load of character actors in absurd makeup. But mm. instead we get these non pretty indistinguishable ciphers behind him. Mm. You, you know, could have, you could have had it both ways. Yeah. I don't know. The odd thing about this whole thinking about the learning experience thing is that don't they a bit like space part what we were talking about with the space parts don't they don't they basically do rinse and repeat on the basic setup twice in the first five minutes we just have two crew members that both get cut and then get and then get taken by the siren it's just what one is one is before the doctor and doctor and co arrive and the other one is afterwards so that they can see it but it basically there's no escalation or anything there so it's not that they haven't got room to do something different mm. because they keep repeating the same plot point. Well, apparently they, they don't have room because they don't have room to show the sequence where old um, press gang guy disappears. Yeah. They all keep fixating on the fact that they, they all keep getting cut. Mm. And it's mentioned at some point the Doctor seems to work out third of the way through or halfway through that it's just injuries rather than specifically blood. Because they, they're assuming it's blood, isn't it? 
Mm. But doesn't Doctor Who realise it's injuries? But then the, the, the kid's coughing, isn't it? The, yeah, yeah. Which is a massive leap. At some point, we we're all going to get bruised. Mm. Yeah, but then the, I don't know. Then they carry on with the motif that it's that it's blood. It's a bit confused. Mm. That, because there are so many other things. Because like in Mummy again, they pick lots of different examples of of people. So the Doctor has to draw the link between what connects all these people. Are they were all, mm. you know, on their way out? Mm. From a medical point of view, it it really struggles to stand in any kind of logical way. The <laughs> idea that there's this there's this sort of all powerful medical robot creature woman singing stuff that will basically go after you, anesthetize you, and strap you down if you get a pinprick. She doesn't have any ability to judge the severity of injury. Stub your she toe. Will, she will yeah. sniff a droplet of blood, <laughs> and you are off that battlefield into her medical situation, plugged in. At which point, apparently, you can't be disconnected. <laughs> you you are you are knackered at that point. If if you if you get a paper cut, you are in her hospital until the end of time. And she doesn't know how to treat um, you. Yeah. Bit of a design She doesn't know flaw. how to treat you. She can't. She can't interact with you. It's, so if she comes up to you and you say, "No, I, I'm fine," <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> but at some point, the doctor goes, "Oh, sh- show your wedding ring. Sign <laughs> the documents." <laughs> I thought what? that was where you were going. It just, <laughs> love, like, love conquers suddenly. all. Show your James she's intelligent. Power she'll of love. understand the wedding yeah. ring. <laughs> she, she's intelligent. She, she'll understand. You can reason with her. Explain. Explain to her. You're. You're. His wife. Show her the wedding ring. Sign the documents. It's like you can't even tell her to leave you alone because you're fine. <laughs> You've just got a splinter. But no, you're done for. And then they put a thing in your neck and a thing in your chest and you're stuck to this bench and you're done. That's you out of Did anyone service. else notice Rory's disappearing tracheotomy? Uh, no, he didn't. He's lying on the gurney oh, with this right. tube in his throat. Mm. But yeah. they, they pick him up and get him into the TARDIS. Tim, and Tim, next Tim, 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 Tim. Is gurney a reference to the smugglers as well? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But that poor kid has to sit there with this tube hanging out of his throat. So, so like, why, does, why does he end up with it at the end? Why is he the only one that's... But there's no explanation for all the other pirates. Right, okay. All the other pirates get their things out of their necks, apparently. Oh, I see. Yeah, he's got a thing in his neck and all the other pirates are fine. Yeah, no, good, good. good for that last no, they don't. The scene. kid the kid is sat there in the in, in the co pilot seat. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly au fait navigating amongst the stars mm. with this hairdryer stuck out of his throat. <laughs> but when they whip Rory off, off the hospital bed, the gurney mm. and get him into the TARDIS, the, his neck's perfectly fine. Mm. The other problem I have with that is that and I don't normally pick up on <sighs> science fiction details, but it's down to Amy to use her bare hands and brute force to bring him back to life. Yeah. But they've taken him into the TARDIS, the most advanced yeah. spacecraft known to man. It, it is a problem I have with the no, application of, of made-up technology in science fiction, you know? It was a problem... Every, but not only that. The empty child they've already, they've for... already removed Rory from the, the second most sophisticated yes. medical system <laughs> that yeah. they've recently come across, which apparently will do everything except fix you. Yeah, I, 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 and it's just not going to work. That's the other problem. I mean, whatever she's, she's doing there, it's not going to bring him... Out. He's got a lung full of water yes. lying on his back having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. But apparently something is holding back death yeah. and he's gargling away having a chat and he says, I'll I'll tell you how to save me. Does the water immediately... Is he in a vert... Is it Schrodinger's? I mean, does he? the water immediately come back as soon as you disconnect him? It's like he's... In this, anyway, I don't really care about that. It's just no. the fact that the Doctor stands there in his TARDIS. Yes. Seemingly unable yeah. to think of anything he might have to hand that could help. Yeah. It, but like, because like a, because t- they've decided, like a touch with regeneration because energy, they've decided is... it has to be it has to end with the power of love mm, yes. conquers all is the most powerful healing force in the universe and they work backwards from there but they don't even mm. but you yeah. don't need to take it to the to as if far that's what, as you... if you want to do that then don't have end in the tardis or even on you know have it end somewhere where mm. you explicitly make clear there is no advanced technology yeah I, it lost all, I mean I was I was faltering at that point anyway but at the point where I thought oh it's going to do another fake out mm. death. And I've just got to sit here for the next three minutes while they pretend yes, that exactly, he dies, yeah. and then you just wait for him to come back to life. Yes, it doesn't and work the music on any level. Swells and everyone cries, and I think, what are you doing? Mm. Like no one, no one was fooled or cared. Yeah, yeah. It really is just the law of diminishing returns. It's just, it's just like why the hell, you know. Save this stuff for save this stuff for season finales or something where there's any yeah. question of yeah. whether the person might be back for might, might actually yeah. yeah. Was Lily Cole a a great find for the, for for this for this? For I Doctor think so. Who? I think it was a big deal. I think there yeah. was a big announcement. Yes. Yeah, I seem to remember it was uh, made headlines. It's a sort it's a touch of the JNTs, I suppose, in a way, in that she's a big name without necessarily having at that stage a huge body of work behind her. I just wish. That they'd have stayed with the pirate ship thing. Yeah. That there'd have been a bit of pirating in it. Mm. And some menace. Yeah. That they hadn't resolved it with some bland future sci-fi situation. That we've this... seen ten times before. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was so disappointing. It was... But the premise of the story was good. The mystery of the siren coming out yeah. and dealing yeah. with people with the black spot was good. I, I I just think it just needed a eighty or ninety percent adjustment, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it would have been brilliant. I think I just spotted another couple of things that the um the bit with the reflections, which I think I think that's just one too many. Let's throw another. Yes. Let's throw yeah. another twist and another oh twist God's and another sake. twist. Not... If it was something no, that came out of the wars, would be mm. okay. They respond to the reflections. Immediately, the Doctor goes and smashes up a mirror, comments to Avery on how it's bad luck. I I was screaming for Avery to just point out, you realise you just made a thousand mirrors there? Yes. Has he learned nothing nothing from Enlightenment, where he smashes that ruby? That's exactly the same problem. Brilliant. One of the early establishing shots, when when Amy uh, steps up to become... Squash, squashbuckling mm-hmm. pirate, swashbuckling pirate, squashbuckling. Yeah. <laughs> when Amy steps up to be a, a, a pirate, a pirate of some kind, <laughs> and there's a really deliberate shot of of the uh, glinting, gleaming, mm. shiny sword, <laughs> which catches the reflection, yeah. and the swords were a comrade. But I mean, it just it's one of those ideas that just doesn't bear mm-hmm. a moment's thought. I mean, there's reflective surfaces. Everywhere, mm. constantly throughout that story, yeah. in people's eyes, and they don't there, specify just, how big just, it has to be. Which no, and if they're they're hoping you won't think about that, but how can you not? You'd have to be a simpleton. Mm. Well, this is when you make these comments, and people say, "Well, it's just a children's show. Mm. You shouldn't think 
too oh, hard about these fairly things. Fairly sure the children allowed. are going to be the people who are least satisfied with rubbish like this. <laughs> and talking yeah. of it, the other thing was talking of him ripping off Moffat's greatest hits. The uh, fact that when, once they get on the spaceship, they comment on the fact that there's all these windows or portals into reflections on the yep, yep, ship and so yep. on is exactly is exactly like the Madame de Pompadour with mm. the windows into that they've opened up into oh, into her life, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Is yeah. is Stephen Thompson a, a real person with a real career? Do you know it's funny? You should say that. I've like had David Agnew. I've had people seriously tell me. Admittedly, it was at a, a convention late at night, but in in hushed tones, they may have been winding me up. There seems to be a conspiracy abroad in fandom that he isn't real. And I said to these people who who introduced me to this club, this bit of Illuminati knowledge, I said, yeah. but he's real. I remember he he wrote for Sherlock and, and they announced at the time because it was written by Moffat and Gatiss and, and, and Stephen Thompson. And Stephen Moffat said, I found this bloke. He wrote a play. I went to see this play at the theatre and it was brilliant. And I thought I'm going to use you and everything. And that was Stephen Thompson. And they swore blind that it wasn't true. So right. what makes you ask, Richard? You just don't want to believe that he's real. It upsets you. <laughs> no, I think I've, I've come across a conspiracy theory with that in, in, in not, not a particularly um, strong form. And I, I just wondered if anybody had uh, definitive proof of his reality. That maybe it's could, a joke could, in could... fandom, like the old yes, Kate Bush we... writing Kinder thing. And I, I've yeah, been... it, it probably is. I've been it probably wound is up. That. I just thought it would be nice for us to, to, to bust that theory once and for all if we were able to do so. But if, 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 if we're not sure, then we'll just have to leave it at that. British playwright. There's a picture of him. Right. Well, okay, there we go. got a flat cap on. got a round face, some stubble, a flat cap, and he's 55 years old. He was nominated for the Laurence Olivier Award for Best New Comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, that seems relatively... He's got a silk and a nuptice <laughs> oh god he created he created Jericho that ill-fated ITV industrial revolution type soapy thing didn't he ah was that the high watermark of his career so far I mean I'm glad it wasn't Curse of the Black oh apparently he, uh, I, apparently he created um, Vienna Blood as well oh. which has been on BBC so Two even last couple of weeks so okay he does appear to be well, a he, real person he needs to watch more pirate stuff hmm don't give people pitches, uh, or if you do and you can see the fear or dis or disinterest in their eyes, immediately snatch that pitch back and say, "No, it's all right. I'll give it to someone. I'll give it a Mark. I'll give it to lovely Mark Gatiss. He'll do something with it. Don't worry, Stephen. You come up with something original." I saw yeah. the, I heard the sigh when I suggested pirates, Steve. It's all right. <laughs> I think Mark Gatiss would have come up with something more original than this. I think. Yeah. Of course he would, that's what yeah. I meant. Mm. He'd, have had a... He'd at least have someone swashing their buckle. Mm. Oh, it would or, have been or, so... or, or, or buckling their swash. Which way around is it? Well, the swash was the action and the, the buckler was the shield. Oh, right. okay. So, you, you, as I understand it, to, to swash was to be sort of ostentatious with your sword... Right. And your buckler was your shield. Got you. Ah. And I think swashbuckling is to hit the sword on the shield to make a, a an ostentatious display, a machismo display. Oh, okay. Very good. I think. So, because it's tempting to assume that the buckler, buckler is the person committing the verb, and therefore mm. they are buckling their sounds, swash. Yeah, no, the buckler is oh. the shield, but you can swash your okay. buckler. Oh. Very good. 
Well, uh, uh, nothing if not educational. Yeah. Yeah, So I was just going to suggest we get to the linky bit, if you know, if indeed there are any. Oh, Um, I I had a go at this, (laughs) and I mean, certainly we've got that. We've got the whole parent-child thing going on. We've got uh, we've got unexpected family relationships (laughs) turning up in both stories. Mm. Mm. Although, of course, the Sigrids never meet. (laughs) Um, We might wish that the Averys hadn't. <laughs> you've got you you you've also got this you've got a character in each of them who's basically a nice chap but you know falls among bad people Madeleine Isigri and, and Henry Avery it, as as presented in this story if not uh, the reality of it and you you need, I, I guess both of them are, are are trying to pull tricks with the plot as well trying to throw suspicion i mean this is just writing though isn't it i mean I'm, I'm, all i'm saying is they they're using writing skills but but <laughs> fundamentally they, yeah, they are trying to throw suspicion in different areas as as the thing goes uh, goes along and there's there's a revelation sort of two thirds of the way through that changes the whole way that you see the story in in the first case it's um it's old dom and in the second one it's the it's the ship the the spaceship both stories have the ships becalmed Yep. In episode six of the Space Pirates, after the remote control system's knackered, Milo says, you're just going to leave us here like flies on paper. Pretty good. Neither of them have a Robert Newton pirate ripoff. This is built today, Mr. Christian. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? I was wondering whether they could chip in. That's yeah. via Tony Hancock. Well, that's <laughs> it. That's it. I was going to say, the only reason I know about Robert Newton is Tony Hancock. I'd never actually seen the He's, Robert uh, Newton film. He's Long John Silver in Treasure Island. Mm. Yes, you're atypical. Well, easy typical, easy typical pirate. Yeah. Uh, think of Tom Baker in um, yeah. in Blackout. Captain Rum. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did any of you see the Tom Baker interview regarding his uh, mm. Captain Redbeard Rum interview yes. on the season seventeen box set? Not yet. Oh, well, listeners, there's some gossip there. Mm. He throws shade on on Rowan Atkinson. Mm. I think I might have heard him say something. Is that where that came from? I saw that doing the rounds on the internet. I didn't know Mm. that. It was also on the yes, it's it's box set. Yes, Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was coached by Rowan on how to do it. Yes, be boring, mm. and he did it boring, and he got no laughs. And uh, yes. the producers, producers said, said, "What was that? Are you okay, Tom?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, Rowan said it'd be funny if I did it boring." And they went, "No, he says that to everyone." <laughs> he said to Rick Malan, "Look what happened there." <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I mean, uh, so we've so we've done all of that. I mean, any any. Final thoughts anyone's got? Any particular, any remaining gems? I, I, I did a Twitter poll to, to ensure that I wasn't going to be unchristian regarding um, Curse of the Black Spot. Mm-hmm. And I only it was only a short poll. I only ran it for three hour, four hours. Mm-hmm. It says, important Doctor Who question, Curse of the Black Spot, yes or no? And there were 83 <laughs> votes and 72.3% of respondents said no <laughs> it's about right what a crying shame yeah mm. I think I'd I think mm. I'd agree with that mm. I mean it's the... kind of remarkable that we've spent a decent proportion of time sticking up for the space pirates and slagging <laughs> off I think this one <laughs> went down it went down better Actually, at the time format. as I recall what space no, pirates um, th- no, it did this, this it one. did because because we just come out of two I don't know two weeks of intact yeah. totally entangled 
Day yeah, of the Moon I still think I I had all the same feelings yeah. about mm. being excited in the first third, mm. yeah, ambivalent in the second third, and then rolling my eyes in the third mm. third, yeah. especially with all of the Rory stuff at the end. The yeah. last the last five minutes absolutely kills it dead yeah. for me. The Rory resuscitation, well, just as I thought, this probably isn't as bad as I remember. And then it had the whole, he's drowned, is he dead, is he drowned? Put him in the TARDIS, try and stop him being drowned. I don't know. It really came off the rails mm. for me at the end. Okay, well, look, I mean, thanks thanks to to you for brave souls who've, who've spent time looking at these two stories and, and giving your thoughts this evening. Thanks to listeners who've stuck with us to this this point in the podcast. Uh, I hope you found it entertaining. I mean, I, I, I must say I found it an entertaining evening going through them. We would love it if you would rate and review our podcast positively. I mean, you know, if, if all you want to do is give us one star, forget it. You know, you, you, you know go and do something else. But if, if, you, if you'd like to give us a five-star review, it would really be helpful in terms of us reaching a wider audience and uh, getting higher up the charts. So, I mean, that would be a, a thing that doesn't take you very long but, but could make a big difference to us. And... We intend to come back about once a month with something of this nature, so look out at some point in February for us to come back and, and compare another two stories. And in the meantime, there's a very large and varied back catalogue of us doing exactly the same thing, but with different stories. So yeah, you, you can um, you can go look at that. And, and there's, there's the odd interview episode too, just to mix things up a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye. So uh, goodbye from me. They're not going to say anything. <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Happy New Year! I'm just toying with the idea that our large and varied back catalogue is all episodes uh. in which we discuss these two stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's a clip from my other podcast. Hi, Richard. What's going on? Oh, hi, Emily. You're just in time for our If It's Hurting, It's Not Working board meeting. Um, OK, board meeting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to be CEO. Oh, really? Who put you in charge? Well, well, I'm the biggest. No, that's ridiculous. Nobody decides anything that way since we're in the playground. Uh, uh, well, well, all right. Look, I'm the oldest, so I've got the most experience. Hmm. Well, what do I get to do? Um, well, you can be chief people officer and chief finance officer, and I'll be chief technology officer. How about that? Mm, maybe. Well, hang on a minute. There's only two of us. So what's the chief people officer got to do? And we're not making any money. So you're just fobbing me off. Oh, dear. This chief exec gig isn't as easy as I thought it would be. So for this episode, we're joined by Paul, who's the chief executive of the company where we work. Yeah, so hello, Paul, and welcome to If It's Hurting, It's Not Working. Thanks very much, guys. I'm a, a great fan of the podcast, and it's uh, a real privilege to be part of it. 
you have a, a very particular kind of a job and I wonder how you manage to find the right balance between your work and the other things like family and your other interests. Well, uh, I think the answer, Richard, is I do a better job of it now than I did earlier in my career. So what was your first job, Paul? Well, my, my first job was a paperboy. Oh, you've got okay. me thinking about my youth now. Yeah, yeah. I'm nostalgic. Yeah, okay. Well, so, so here's another one that might tap into the into the memories. And so what's, what's been your favourite organisation to work for? Before I came to Arkiva, I was chief executive of Europe's largest cinema company, Odeon mm. and UCI Cinemas. So flipping it on its head, what has been the worst organisation you have worked for and why? Well, I, I can say this in public because I've told them myself. <laughs> but the worst organisation I worked for was British Telecom. If it's hurting, it's not working. It's right. <laughs> and, and actually, you have to get out. So do you have any pointers, I guess, for listeners to this podcast who think that they would, you know, would like a career as an exec? What, what should they be doing? Well, look, I, I think the first thing is... What company are you working for? Because the quality of the experience that you get is directly associated with the quality of that business. Mm -hmm. The second thing, which I always think is important, is that your boss is more important than your job. Okay. well, look, thanks very much for sharing your time with us this morning. Really good to speak to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming along and chatting to us, Paul, and being our first guest on the podcast. Go away. What? <laughs> Sorry, I did your accent then. <laughs> <laughs>